3: Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
2: This is the Cork Today replay
0: on C103.
4: Good Monday morning to you, John Paul. Taking your calls at 1850 333 103. Text WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And thank you to people who are already taking time out to text in to say, let me read you some of them. Well done, Tipperary. Uh, Patricia that comes from Mary. Delighted with the great win. Jack in Mallow says, Hi Patricia, well done on Tipperary yesterday. Richie Hogan's sending off was very unfair, I thought, says Jack, who also says there's talk about bringing in the second referee it would only destroy the game would others agree or disagree and uh, of course uh, everybody talking about the, what was it great I think it was the scale of the win yesterday that that really kind of got to everybody especially when you think you're playing against uh, Kilkenny before the match you know while everyone was sort of saying Tipperary had a great chance and you know they were going to do it and all of that I was just saying this: you're up against Kilkenny you never know when you're up against Kilkenny Kenny, but I would never ever have predicted a fourteen point win over the cats that really is the stuff of dreams. But when you watched the match yesterday, it was very much a game of two halves, and the second half performance by Tipperary was nothing but a masterclass in hurling it was superb and it just sort of makes you sit and look at the game and the skill that's involved and the speed that's involved and how brave those guys are out on that pitch it is an incredible sport it really really uh, is I suppose the big talking point of the match and reference there by Jack was the sending off of uh, Richie Hogan would you be with Jack on that side of the fence, saying that it was unfair. I mean, you know, obviously coming at it from a Tipperary point of view. Oh, send him off, send him off, send him off, and then you heard Kilkenny people saying he shouldn't have been uh, sent off, and you wonder with the you know the hype that's involved in matches like that. I mean, I don't genuinely think that Richie Hogan went out with the intention of every or, you know ever. You know, elbowing somebody into the face as it appeared from the camera uh, uh, angle. But they just get so caught up in the hype and what it means to them. Even though both, well certainly Kilkenny have won so many All-Irelands and indeed Tipperary have won a lot of All-Irelands uh, as well. But every, every All-Ireland hurling final is as important as the previous one and is as important as the next one will be. So you can understand how people get caught up in the hype of it all. And I suppose it's also by way of an explanation for Seamus Callen and the, uh, the captain when he was interviewed right after the match and a microphone, you know, put into his face when he's just coming to terms with he is the captain captain of the All-Ireland winning team and he happens to use the F word in the middle of the excitement by saying you know it's everything we beep beep dreamed uh, of and that went out live on TV I'm sure his uh, mammy will make him wash his mouth out with uh, carbolic soap and of course when it's live uh, it's live but it's just they're so the hype is just unreal but uh, it was great to watch it as I say I do think it was an absolute masterclass from uh, start to finish Uh, Noreen says well done Tipperary I should have bet on them from the start they came to the championship with intent uh, says uh, Noreen and it was a great match and Michael says Patricia hi what a privilege for anyone to be a member of the great Tipperary hurling team to be able to represent the county with honour Dignity and in song, to realise that they are descendants of great hurling people. It is their responsibility to prove that they are equal to their inheritance and make it possible for others to follow in their footsteps. It's a privilege to have in 2019 and to sportingly share the great extent amongst the people of Ireland. Sadly, by ignoring the Taoiseach of the country on a worldwide screen, did not enhance their great success and all that goes with it. Thanking you. And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. I, I was watching and I wasn't, as you know, I wasn't at the match. I was watching it on TV and we did have a bit of a discussion amongst ourselves as to why are they not shaking hands with Leo Varadkar? And then I was I was looking and saying, was he, it was cause he saw down to the angle of the camera, was he actually the step above where you know that they were just down below and that they were I mean they were certainly shaking hands with the President and uh, Sabina Higgins President Michael D. Higgins' wife was shaking hands with everybody and the President of the GAA appeared to be shaking hands with everybody and then Leo just seemed to be standing there they did all look a little bit awkward and then I was wondering should he have thrust his hand out I mean if you watched Sabina Higgins, you know she was grabbing everybody and shaking hands with everybody maybe maybe he he i don't know i mean and i don't I don't know if it was a deliberate it was it deliberate to ignore the theshirt did they you know were they just all so caught up as i've said a couple of minutes ago in the hype of the whole thing that they didn't even realize it was Leo Radke was standing there, and then I don't know I'd have to look back on um, previous handing out of medals. Do they always shake hands with the the Taoiseach Is always there, but do they always shake hands with the Taoiseach? But as I say, I don't think I certainly haven't read anywhere or I haven't heard anywhere that it was deliberately done that they you know that they were told you not to shake hands with uh, Leo Foradker. But Michael feels that it actually takes away from their success the fact that it was on screen, a worldwide screen, and that it looked like. The perception was they were ignoring Leo Radker. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 333 and a texter says, uh, Patricia I, I'm a Cork man but yesterday I was a Tipperary man. Uh, well done, yeah. And I think people do that. I think people, when you when you don't have your own county team playing, you'll all go with somebody else and I I do feel there was a lot of people were backing Tipperary over Kilkenny probably because Kilkenny has won so much Is, is that the reason and there was a general feeling, uh, good feeling towards the Tipperary team. But leaving all that aside, it was just it was a class game of hurling. It really was and, and well done to what is a young, young Tipperary team. 1850-333-103 Your thoughts are welcomed on the match yesterday particularly the, the rather controversial bits and the sending off of Richie Hogan. Even though I think the game had started to turn I think Tipperary were playing differently I mean definitely Kilkenny came out of the blocks at the start but I do think it made it a little bit easier for Tipperary to win. Richie Hogan going off, but I think they would have won anyway. I don't think they would have won by 14 points had he been on the pitch and had they not been down a player. But I still, my gut tells me that uh, I think, judging by the way they played in the second half, they still would have won. Eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. 333 103 Now, coming up on the programme this morning, we're going to be speaking about the Data Protection Commissioner and her ruling last week over the public services card. Now, one thing that did come out at the weekend, the state could be facing multi-million euro payouts after it was found to have illegally retained the personal data. There's about 3.2 million people have one of these public services cards. A 20-month investigation went on by the Data Protection Commissioner and Helen Dixon found that the expansion of the cards remit to other state services. That's where the problem was from its social welfare origins, she says is illegal, under Data Protection Commission legislation. And given the huge number of people number of citizens who hold a card and the Social Protection Departments now state a dubious legal standing on the issue. It's been speculated under EU General Data Protection Regulation that the state could be liable for damages totaling hundreds of euro per person for each of the 3.2 million cardholders and don't you know somewhere along the line there will be a class act taken. I hope that there isn't it's, it's almost like us suing ourselves because ultimately the money will come out of the taxpayers will come out of the the exchequer if the money is paid out and it does go to billions of euro which has been speculated you know what will suffer health will suffer education will suffer housing will suffer so I really do hope that there isn't a class action taken but you know what happens when the very fact it gets mentioned you'll have lawyers going there's money to be made here you'll have people jumping on the bandwagon and suddenly everybody will take umbrage that their information has been shared somehow Yet we share so much of our own information on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and and all other websites on a daily basis and don't seem to have any problem doing it. But suddenly when the government do it, We all want a little bit of money out of it. Uh, So we'll talk about that on the programme uh, today but talking more about the implications of what's happening with the public services card what do we now do those of us who have public services card and what does it mean for the wider public now going forward. There's new rules and regulations for child minders coming in and this is for people who look after children in their own home. It could be your neighbour it could be your auntie it could be your sister it could be somebody down the road that looks after a couple of kids and it's affordable childcare for a lot of people who can't afford very expensive creches or maybe there isn't a creche in your area that suits the hours that you work and there's somebody helping out by doing child minding that whole sector is very unregulated at the moment, they're now going to bring in guidelines, they're now going to bring in rules and regulations and of course the fear is will some people give up the child minding which is going to put working parents they're going to have uh, problems. Or will it go further underground? It's, you know, Will it go further into the black market? So we'll talk about that. We hear about a local hotel who is the first in Ireland to use harvested rainwater to fill their swimming pool. This is fantastic. They've got to be celebrated and congratulated for this and hope that by, if they get a lot of publicity on this, that other hotels and other public swimming pools, local authorities, for example, that they might look at this model and think, is this the way to go? We're all talking about biodiversity. We're all talking about trying to do our bit to save the planet. Here's one way, small, simple little step that could be done by all of the swimming pools around uh, the country. We hear about a mother who's having problems getting her daughter, I think it's her daughter, onto the school bus. It's in the North Cork area. That problem with the discretionary bus tickets has not gone away and we are getting very close to the start of the new school year and there are some parents literally pulling their hair out trying to work out how they're going to get their sons and daughters to and from school uh, every day. And we're going to talk about Bridge, the card game Bridge on the programme today because there is a campaign I think it's actually started this week to try to get people to look at Bridge as a hobby and maybe it's something you might consider taking up and if you're lonely and if you're suffering rural isolation and you're thinking where do I go I've nowhere to go on my own Maybe, maybe something like Bridge. would be a great way, a great social outlet and way for you to make new friends as well. So we'll discuss that and it's Monday. So Annalise Triselle, our nutritional therapist, will join us as she does every Monday. So if you have a question, a nutritional question, get them in throughout the morning and we'll put them to Annalise after half past 12 today. Some of your texts coming in on the All Ireland. Hi Patricia, well done Tipperary. But why do the cameras keep showing the player that was sent off I'm sure they feel bad enough without the spotlight being put on them we're all human at the end of the day and that comes in from West Cork uh, listener do you know I felt the very I actually verbalised it and said the same thing uh, yesterday I don't know how many times the camera uh, panned over to poor Richie Hogan and you could see the devastation on the young man's face and you know that might be his last ever All-Ireland final and what a way to end what a way to go out knowing that he was sent off knowing that his team lost will some people feel it was because he was sent off my heart went out to him I have to say I'm putting a camera on top of him not needed I I 100% uh, agree with you on that On whether the players should have been shaking hands with Leo Varadkar and did they ignore him or not, somebody says, would people ever give the players a break? Can you imagine the excitement of winning? They probably didn't even see him. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. I felt the same way, even though on social media yesterday, people were saying he was standing there and he was rather awkward the way he was standing there and you know people were saying it did look like he was anno- annoyed somebody said he's probably hoping for a better reaction if Dublin managed to land five in a row on September the 1st will the dubs shake his hand uh, somebody is pondering the cream. The cats have no creams Says another texter John and Clance says Patricia on the sending off yesterday no matter what way the television showed the sending off no matter what angle you looked at It was 100% the correct decision. In fairness to the referee, he checked on two occasions just to be absolutely sure that the right decision was being made. Kilkenny played on the edge all year and they got caught yesterday. I rest my case. And that is from John in Clonakilty, And Pat in Mallow says, Trish, Leo knew or cared as much about that match yesterday as a duck does about Christmas. It was a waste of a good ticket. (laughs) That's from Pat in uh, Mallow. Thank you for that, Pat. Um, Can I just got an email in I want to while we're passing out congratulations to Tipperary can I pass congratulations out to some Cork people as well because three members of the Bottomore family from Mamway were all competing in different categories of the All-Ireland Flarkyol which of course was on in Drogheda at the weekend and all three won their individual competitions for storytelling. Shannon and Mirish Buttimore defended their All-Ireland titles and won them again. Uh, Shannon in the 15 to 18 age group and Mirish in the 12 to 15 year old age group. Then their younger sister Kellyanne won in the under 12 category isn't that incredible it's Kellyanne's first year competing in storytelling and if she's won in All-Ireland in her first year I imagine we'll be hearing a lot more from Kellyanne and indeed the rest of the Buttermore family they represent the Dunmanwe Cúltus branch and they are going to be welcomed back this evening to a, a home homecoming. um or was that hap- Did that happen? That homecoming? I'm just looking at the date. That homecoming would have happened yesterday. I'm just looking at the date that the email was sent uh, to us. So there was a big homecoming yesterday, I imagine, yesterday evening in Dumamwe. But congratulations to the Bottomore family from Dumamwe. That is an incredible achievement. Three All Ireland titles in the one household and well done I know there was a lot of other winners as well from Cork well done to everyone from Cork competing in the All-Ireland Flacule now Childbinders will be subject to guard the checks home inspections and minimum standards of care under fresh reforms to be announced by the Children's Minister Catherine Sipone. joining me with the reaction from Childbinders is Bern- Bernadette Orbinski-Burke who is Chief Executive of Childminding Ireland and Childbinding Ireland offers support to Childbinders so that they can Offer the best quality childcare in a home from home setting for the benefit of the children. Good morning, to you, Bernadette. Good morning, uh, and you're welcome. Firstly, have we any idea on how many childminders we have here in Ireland?
5: Um, well, we're, we're working on estimates at the moment. Um, so the current estimate is thirty five thousand childminders um, minding eighty eight thousand children. It's huge numbers.
4: And are they all looking after children in their own home or would that include people who go into the child's home to look after the children? um, No, childminders
5: mind children in the childminders' home and they often mind children from different families. Um, Whereas um, people going into the parents' home minding usually just the parents' children. We we tend to use the terminology nannies um, for them because... They're employed by the parents, whereas the childminders are self-employed.
4: OK, so, so it, that's the difference.
5: quite different,
4: yeah. Do you also, and I can see a number of calls coming in from listeners, do you also include a granny who's looking after her grandchildren? No. No, no. that's not included. Um, we, we would call
5: that kinship care. It's, it's a term I think that's come in from the States, but it, it, it explains quite well, you know, aunties, cousins, Grandparents who are who are minding their own family members—that that's um, that's different.
4: Whether they get paid or not, it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. That's that doesn't fall in under under child minding.
5: Okay. The o- yeah. Sorry. The only time it would is if they were taking other people's children at the same time and charging them. Do you know what I mean? If, and that does it's purely happen. a family arrangement. It presumably the very exceptional case. Normally, grandparents only mind their own grandchildren. But yeah you know
4: okay is it currently an unregulated sector
5: Um, well there are regulations but they only um, kick in when you cross certain numerical thresholds so for example if you're minding four or more preschoolers you're required to register with TUSLA and this summer they brought in regulations as well about the number of after school children and the same thing their numerical thresholds when you're required to register with TUSLA just to give you some idea, Patricia, of the 35,000 um, estimated child minders, we know that there's less than 120 registered with TUSLA currently.
4: And is that because people don't want to register with TUSLA? Are they falling under the numerical numbers that you're talking about?
5: Well, um, the the reality is that unless you're minding four or more preschoolers or again, this higher number of after-school children, six if it's a mixed group, or seven if it's only after-school, there's no system for you under current regulations. You can't join. So I think it's really, really important, and if you don't mind, that's just something I really want your listeners to be really clear about. If your childminder is not registered with DUSLA, it does not mean they're somehow giving a lesser service or a lesser mm. quality. You know, that's really important.
4: So, how do your members feel about what's been spoken about by Catherine Sapone, and in particular, home inspections?
5: Yeah, well it it's never it's never been there before. You know, there's this sort of for everybody minding any children for for, for money. Um, so, it's an uncertain time. So, obviously, people are concerned and, and a little bit anxious about what it's going to mean, and certainly the i. I suppose to characterise it, what they really, really don't want is their homes to become mini crashes. Mm. You know, that's just not practical, desirable. Um, and I think from talking to the department, that's not their intention either. Um, so there's going to be an absolute push from childminding Ireland and childminders themselves that what has to happen is that reforms that are brought in need to be appropriate and proportionate. Um, to protect child minding. It's a hugely valuable service that the country has, a really traditional form of childcare with huge benefits. Um children have the same minder, for, you know, from babyhood, um, normally right through national school and sometimes into secondary school. It becomes like an extended part of the family. You know, it's hugely beneficial. It's flexible for parents, whereas centre-based care often has quite strict opening and closing hours where you can negotiate with a childminder. It tends to be less expensive, so it helps support people back to work. Hugely valuable, and the benefits to the children, children with additional needs, it really suits them. So we're absolutely passionate about childminding here at Childminding Ireland, and we want to offer support to the unsupported childminder during this uncertain time. We're not doing a recruitment drive. We support childminding um, we have a big database of people who aren't members and we will keep people informed so support at childminding.ie um, if you want to be kept informed oh, yeah, about what's yeah. going on
4: I know okay, like Minister Catherine Sabone was saying she wants minders to be registered under one system
5: yes yes Um you know, a system for child mind is so irrespective of the number of children that you're minding, there would just be one system. And um, you know, I think for example, it's not unreasonable. At the moment there's no requirement even to have guard of vetting. It's reasonable if you're running a business minding children to to ask for guard of vetting. Um, you know, things like that, things that are appropriate and proportionate. Would be of benefit to childminders. And many, many childminders have guarder vetting. You know, this isn't something, you know, lots of childminders, including the members of Childminding Ireland, are self regulating in a vacuum. You know, our members have guarder vetting, they have insurance for childminders.
4: And, and a lot of them have training. A lot of them would have worked yeah. in the creche envir- environment Absolutely. and then decided because it suited them better to work from when home. When they have their own children, yeah.
5: often. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So so, so so we're not saying that every childminder has hasn't never had any training. Exactly.
5: But they do need access to subsidized training for their continuing professional development. So, for example, to keep their pediatric first aid up to date and things they've been excluded really and unsupported. And there are benefits in this if it's done right. And also for parents there are benefits because if the entry level onto the register is appropriate and child minders join, then parents would be eligible for the national child care scheme and to get some help with the um, child care fees mm. so there are are potential benefits but what's really critical is the um, department are launching a, a consul- public consultation on their action plan on the twenty ninth of August okay. Um, there's going to be a survey, there's going to be kind of focus groups, all sorts of a range of different opportunities. We'll have all the information on our website. And really ask parents using childminders, childminders, the general public, engage with this. Because what we want to do is influence the outcome. It's almost impossible to change an outcome once it's happened Mm. so so this will be the opportunity make your voice heard get onto the website get onto the survey say what you think
4: Okay, and that's from the 29th of August, and uh, yeah. when we have details of how people can have you the details of people can access that, or is that yes, it'll be on
5: Childminding.ie it website. Be, yeah. But we, we can send you a link. Please um, do, please time. do. Uh, yeah, and we
4: will, uh, and we will remind uh, listeners closer to the time. In the meantime, Bernadette, thank you for that, and thanks You're for joining welcome. us on the program this morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, bye bye. That is uh, Bernadette Orbinski Burke of uh, Child Childminding uh, Ireland, and uh, there's was a lovely text in. You know, unfortunately, our text message service has gone down. There's some issue with it so we're getting that sorted. The WhatsApp is still there so you can uh, keep sending your text by WhatsApp to 0862103103 but there was a lovely text in from a listener who was saying how much You know, as a grandmother, she looks after her grandchildren and how she loves to look after her grandchildren. She is acting as childminder to her grandchildren and is fearful with any new rules and regulations and home inspections and minimum standards and guarded clearance is it going to affect her? But that was I just wanted to get that clarified at the very start of my chat with Bernadette. If you're looking after your grandchildren, Are you an aunt looking after a niece or a nephew, or, you know, there's some family arrangement going on, then that's deemed kinship, and it's completely different. It does not fall under the remit of a child minding, whether you're getting paid for it or not. C103 Anthems
5: mornings from nine and evenings at seven.
2: Pork's Greatest Hits Breaking. C103 The
4: Hibernian Hotel in Mallow has become the first hotel in the country to use rainwater to fill their swimming pool to chat about their environmentally friendly pool. I'm joined by one of the managing directors at the Hibernian Hotel and that's Kevin Owens. Good morning to you Kevin.
6: Good morning, Patricia. How are you I'm doing?
4: very well, and you're, you're welcome to the programme. And, and well done to, to you on, on doing your bit for the planet on this one. Just explain how you harvest the rainwater and the process that you use. Okay, so um, I
6: suppose just, just to give you in the background, like we, we, um, sustainability is something that's very important to us, um, and we're very uh, conscious of our corporate social responsibility and being environmentally aware. So um, we engage with Frank from Rainwater Harvesting Corp. And we put in a system on our roof where we harvest the rainwater and we funnel it into tanks. Um, it's then treated, although there's actually very little treatment required because uh, rainwater is so pure anyway. Um, that is then pumped into our swimming pool and our leisure centre, and it actually requires between seventy and ninety percent less chlorine than uh, you would need in, uh, say, your average public swimming pool. So you would have um, an awful lot of health benefits from this, um, far better for your hair and your skin, etc. And it's much better for the client and it's also far less water usage.
4: And that dreadful stinging in your eyes that you get from chlorine that I absolutely hate. Uh, Why do you need less chlorine with rainwater than you would for normal water?
6: Water is so pure, um, you know, it, 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 it's already so pure there's far less that needs to be done with it. So um, what, what actually we have in, in the water in the swimming pool is a dormant type of chlorine, which only actually activates when required. Um, so if something actually enters the pool, which needs to be neutralized, it then activates. But other than that, it remains as a dormant type of chlorine. Um, and this isn't possible in your, in your normal swimming pool. It's, it's well. With rainwater, this is only possible.
1: So
4: is that strong smell of chlorine gone, you know, that smell that you get when you go into every swimming pool?
6: Yes, if you, if you, if you come in and, and, and check for yourself, actually, the, the, that, that smell is, is, uh, is, is far less. Obviously, you're going to have that, a, a small bit of it uh, yeah. because there is a certain amount of chlorine, but it's far, far less. And we've had some, some very positive feedback from our customers and our clients that, uh, as you said, your eyes aren't affected as much and your your hair and your skin and everything—it's it, it, far far better for you.
4: And, sp- and children and babies in particular can be really affected by chlorine. and can be very harsh harsh on on, on their skins. What about running costs, Kevin? Are, are they higher or lower?
6: Well, I suppose the initial outlay is is, is very expensive um, to do a project like this. But over time, with water usage, like um, you know, water usage in in uh, in, in a hotel is is, is very costly. So you're actually paying for the water coming in, and you're paying for the water going back out. Um, but this way, we, we we use the water in our pool, um, and afterwards, once the water is, is it comes back out of the pool, we put then put that through our, our toilets, etc. So mm, there's you top. know there, there, there's a good saving there, but it's the initial outlay is the expensive part.
4: Would you like to see other swimming pools follow suit?
6: Um, yeah, obviously, I think it's, it's, it's definitely uh, the way forward. Um, I suppose at the moment there's currently no grants available for 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 rainwater harvesting, uh, which you would have with other energy saving uh, uh, other energy saving projects. So I can see why people aren't aren't doing it yet. But um, we we certainly are very happy with it so far, and we, we we think it's very worthwhile.
4: God, yeah, I would have thought there would have been grants available. I mean, we're constantly talking about our carbon footprint and saving the planet and climate change and, and all of that that I'm surprised to hear because we're, we obviously are in a country where we don't have a shortage of rainwater.
6: Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, well, like, I would imagine it's something that's coming down the line and I think that's one of the reasons why Frank um, in, in Rainwater Harvest in Cork he has struggled, I suppose, to get more people to, um, to, to engage in the project because they feel that they're going to wait until there's a the grant for it, you know.
4: But you haven't waited for sure. What, o- what, what other things do you do at the hotel for sustainability? And to
6: well, we well, one of the things we did get a grant for was we worked uh, closely with Philip Walsh um, from Walsh Refrigeration and we, we removed 16 old inefficient refrigeration compressors and we replaced them with an ultra-efficient digital variable duty compressor and this actually relieved the environment of 5,400 kgs of harmful CO2 emissions. Um, and this is one which we did. We worked closely as well with the uh, Carlo Kilkenny Energy Agency and we did receive a state grant for this.
4: And you know, whenever you stay in a hotel, there's always the sign about the towels, about, you know, if you're staying for a couple of nights, reuse the towel and only put the towel on the floor if you, if you want it to be changed. Are people good about doing that?
6: They, to be honest, they are. They are. Once you put up those signs and, um, you know, if you you don't leave, I suppose, you don't leave too many towels available, but you have more towels than requests. I think people get used to, you know, reusing them. And uh, I think, yeah, people have become much better in relation to that.
4: Yeah, like we reuse our towels at home. We don't use them once and just put them into the wash at home. So why not the same when you go to a hotel? I can never understand the people that go through so many towels. But listen, well done. Congratulations to everybody uh, involved at the pool, at the Burnian Hotel, uh, Kevin. And uh, thanks a million for taking time out to talk to us today.
6: No problem. Do you mind if I just go through one or two other things with you, Patricia? Yeah, go on. Um, so, like, uh, at the moment, I suppose, um, a few other things we're doing. We've just um, we've just um, uh, launched our new gastro menu in our bar. Okay. Um, we've worked closely with our uh, executive head chef, Marcus McGill, um, in order to uh, create a menu which we think um, is, can cater for all. Um, so we're very aware of the health-conscious customers these days who want to be able to eat out, but also um, able to eat healthily. So uh, something we've launched is our superfood salad menu, um, uh, along with many other uh, things, such as like, we're catering for vegans, vegetarians, and you know, we're very conscious of the allergens, etc., and uh, being celiac-friendly. So I just encourage anybody to, to come in and give it a try. We really think it's, it's worthwhile, and uh, catering for, 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 for all uh, all customers
4: are you seeing a lot more vegans and vegetarians
6: uh, we've only just we've only just launched it but we certainly are we're certainly seeing people through the door who we wouldn't have seen before yeah um, and we, we're seeing people that really appreciate that we are putting in the effort
4: and you, um, are, you are, have a chef that welcomes them most chefs hate the idea of a vegetarian or a vegan coming through the door
6: yeah, well, Marcus, Marcus McGill, um, he's, he's he's very, very experienced. He was the executive head chef in uh, the Roadstone Park for seventeen years, and you know he's always looking to see what's out there and and what we can introduce, you know, to to uh, to, to to cater for all customers. Okay.
4: All right, listen, Kevin. Good luck with it. Thank you very much, for and thanks, thanks a million on. for joining us. Uh, uh, bye bye. That is uh, Kevin Owens, one of the managing directors at the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow, first in the country to use harvest rainwater in their pool. I think it's a terrific idea. Well done. On the uh, new regulations, rules, regulations, guard the check, home inspections, now they're talking about coming in for child binders. The listener says there'll be a lot of child retiring who will be so, so missed as all you really need to do that job is a little bit of common sense.
0: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: Just a couple of, of comments and texts in on the match uh, yesterday. Tim says, Patricia, I think a Tipperary player, Kennedy, I, it's, I think it's Seamus Kennedy you're talking about, uh, one of the few inter-county hurlers from South Tipperary is from the same Clonmel club as that young student who died at the Mitchelstown uh, concert. No, young Jack is from Oak, would have been the team he and the club he would have played with, whereas Seamus, Kennedy plays his football with Lama Commercials and he plays his hurling with St Mary's so no it's a different team but you are, you're absolutely right to say he's one of the few the majority of the hurlers come from North Tip not uh, South Tip. Anyway Tim says I did not see the game but I am glad for two very different members of Liam Sheehy's management team Thomas Dunn and Eamon O'Shea both former players and involved in team management down through the years and it's always good to recognise the backroom team as well who put in as much work as the players do on the pitch thank you for that Tim Hi Patricia regarding the sending off yesterday thankfully the player wasn't seriously injured definitely not a premeditated incident but it was dangerous the one great lesson from this correct and brave decision by the ref is the video footage that should and must be shown to all players in clubs and in schools the incident and then the disappointed face of the player Watching his team lose is a good lesson for young lads and lassies coming up. Bad play does not pay, which is is a good message. And that got me thinking when I was watching the match yesterday, I was delighted to be watching it in the company of my youngest grandson, who is gives us great hope that one day we might all make it to Croke Park to see him with the Tipperary jersey on because he's showing a great passion and a love and a talent for the game of hurling which is terrific. So he's, he's only six and he plays on an under eight team with actually Clonmelogue that team that young Jack Downey Lord your mercy him, uh, was a member of, of that club. Anyway we were, I was watching it with young Alfie yesterday and when that kind of dirty play came in and, and when uh, Richie Hogan was sent off. He started talking about how their coaches deal with bad play and dirty play. And he was able to talk to me about other teams that they play against who are known for being how did he put it that they're known for being mean the way they play and that they go out to try to hurt you I've just thought the innocence of this little lad I said thank God I'm not on the sideline I think I'll be on with the umbrella poking the head off somebody which you're not meant to do either anyway but he was saying that his that their mentors and their coaches are always saying, you know, you go out and you play a fair game and you play a clean, a clean game. It doesn't matter who you come up against, if anybody's trying to, you know, break the rules and foul and all of that, then you don't go down to their level. And I thought it was terrific. I thought, you know, kudos to, I don't know who his coaches who his coaches are, but I thought it was great, but to see, hear it come out of a little six year old who just loves the mat, loves the game and was, you know, enthralled watching it and, you know, was trying to pick up points from some of the players, but was able to point out the bad play and the fouling and, you know, to hear him say that there's some players come onto the pitch to play at underage age level and they come onto the pitch to try to hurt somebody else, just you think it really, this is sport, where's the sportsmanship in all of that, but you are right, it can be video footage of what happened and, you know, when we were talking about poor old Richie Hogan and the cameras going on him and it was quite cruel, you know, the cameras kept pointing over but the disappointed look I mean, the man was devastated so yes, it might be a valuable lesson to other young players coming up that bad play does not pay Thank you for your uh, text to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Now last week we mentioned and we did a bit of merriment around it and it was a bit of fun. We mentioned that Brown Thomas had opened up their Christmas door. I think it was 132 or 131 days to Christmas and was it too early and people were going oh for God's sake the children aren't even back to school yet. What are we doing even thinking about Christmas? Well, a lovely email in from Philip to say, Patricia, I heard with interest your listeners' comments last week about Brown Thomas promoting Christmas this early in the year. First of all, as one who tries to be a Christian, I'd like to thank the people of this store for keeping alive even the Christmas word. And that goes for all other businesses who use it to promote their secular ventures. As virtually everybody knows, it is a Christian festival. And what I have to say may well cause derisive comments to your programme. From a Christian point of view, the first Christmas was and is The anniversary on December the 25th, it's celebrated as a monumentous event for believers. From a Catholic point of view, the Christmas event is replicated in thousands of churches throughout the world in a different way every day. When priests of the world bring Jesus into this world in the form of bread and wine at the consecration of the Mass. So... Maybe Christmas is not so well out of place on any day of the year. Kind regards and that comes in from Philip. Thank you for that, uh, Philip. And actually, Brown Thomas came out themselves and defended the reason for opening up their Christmas store so uh, early. They say that they're simply meeting a demand from customers by offering seasonal selections From August, the Christmas shop, it wasn't just here in Cork, it opened up in Dublin and in Limerick as well. And they say we are reaching out to our customers' needs. People are time poor and this gives them the opportunity to buy early. You can also come along and just get inspired. They say you don't have to buy now for those that don't want to get things ready for Christmas. uh, But but for those who do want to get ready for Christmas early, it gives them the opportunity. But they're very much welcoming people to come in and browse and uh, you can get inspired for what you might and might not buy for Christmas this year 1850 the horse and riders that came up on the programme last Friday as well and I promised I'd bring you an update on this this is the famous horse and rider uh, sculpture that was removed from the Annabella roundabout in Mallow when the work was done on the roundabout and they weren't allowed to put it back in place because the height of the horse and, horse, horses and riders sculpture is now too high to meet the new regu- rules and regulations that cover roundabout. I think you've got to be able to see over the roundabout. I think is the reason for us Now structures that are already in place are left but if any work is done on the roundabout and if any of the artwork is removed then they can't put it back on. So I went back to the council and then the council were deciding where they were going to put it and we went back through our files and found that the latest we had from the council was in December of last year, December of 2018, when they told us that the new position was going to be on the eastern verge of the N20 near the southbound slip-on ramp after the Blackwater River Bridge. And they said it was most suitable, people would still be able to see it, drivers would be able to see it, public would be able to get up close as well, and it wouldn't be a traffic uh, hazard. And they told us in December that it's intended that following some minor repairs – and cleaning that the sculpture will be located to its new position during 2019. And as we were in gone... Beyond the middle of 2019, we are into the eighth month of 2019. We decided we'd give them another email just to say, what's happening, guys? We haven't forgotten the horses and riders. And we've got listeners who haven't forgotten the horses and riders. When are you going to put it in its new forever home? Well, they have come back to us. And the roads department, they say, are planning on installing the horses and riders sculpture on the N20 in the coming months and they're going to do it in conjunction with overlay road works by Transport Infrastructure Ireland on the N20 and the reason that they're holding off to do it then is it's going to minimise traffic disruption for road users so okay now I don't know when TII are going to do this overlaying work but in the coming months do we still keep our fingers crossed and hope it'll be there for Christmas hope it will be there At some stage during 2019, we have September, October, November, December. We have four months left. So hopefully if the overlay Roadworks by TII goes on this side of Christmas, then the horses and riders sculpture will be in place uh, at the same time. So thank you to the council for getting back to us on that. And actually, I might get John Paul to get back onto the council again, just to let us know, is everything going according to plan with the boardwalk? and the work that's going on at the Mallow Bridge and the northbound lane of the Mallow Bridge is closed for traffic. We've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. It's been closed. The signs say it's closed for the month of August. We're getting very close to the start of the new school year. We know a lot of the schools go back at the end of August. So even if it runs to schedule... And that northbound lane is closed for the duration of August. There will be that first week back at school that will be a little bit of a nightmare if the bridge remains closed. But I have to say, I was hearing from people over the weekend who were adamant that there is no way that bridge. The bridge is going to reopen in September. People were down to, I even had a bet on with somebody who's trying to make out that it won't be open this side of Christmas, that the bridge will remain. And I said, it can't. It definitely cannot take that long to put the work in place. I know we had Councillor Pat Hayes on who went through it with us at the start of the work at the end of July and he went through the various phases and it was all sounded like it was going according to plan. But the rumours around town, I have to say, The dogs in the street are talking about it and the dogs in the street are saying that there is no way that the bridge is going to reopen. Certainly not for the start of September. So we'll send an email on to the council and see if we can get clarification and just get some definitive yay or nay from them. It would be fantastic if they come back and tell us that everything is going and is on uh, target. But as I say, talking to people across the weekend people in Mallow are not very hopeful and people are getting very frustrated with the traffic delays. Now, 1850 103 also had a text in from a listener to say, Hi Patricia, I have an important request please for you to put out on the radio today. It relates to McCroom Civic Amenity Centre. The signage is not great for anyone going there but coming out of the amenity centre it's a death Trap. You're on an incline and you can't see both sides correctly to check to see if this car is coming in either direction for you to get out of the Civic Immunity Centre and then to go off on your journey. It is a very, very busy main road and strangers wouldn't be expecting anyone to exit from there. Local people were probably very aware that the Civic Immunity Site is there and cars will be coming out, but if you're a stranger to the area, haven't driven there before, you you could get caught unawares with somebody trying to edge their way out. So please, Mallow Civic Community, get your act together before someone is killed thanking you. Now, I wonder what the solution is. If you're saying you exit it's, the, it's a civic community site I haven't been in in McRoom. I'll check with John Paul because he may have been, he lived in McCroom for a few years but you're saying you exit on an incline and then you're coming out and you can't see on both sides. Now why can't you see on both sides? Is it overgrown hedgerows? Because most civic community sites are on the outskirts of uh, town. The fact it's coming on to a busy road, is there a solution? I don't know what the possible solution could be for it but anyway, we'll give it out to see are others in agreement with this listener that this could be potentially an accident waiting to happen for people trying to come out of McCroom amenity site and the fact that you're coming out onto a busy main main road and you can't c- clearly see on either side to make sure that the way is clear for you. Your thoughts welcomed on that. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 see 103 Jobs an accounts technician and an office administrator uh, required for Mallow, an accounting technician, qualification to his experience is necessary. We were talking about child binders this morning. Well, a child binder is wanted in the Kilavodden area for a baby and a school-going child. Industrial plumbers are wanted for Kilty and Cork City. Applicants must have their own tools and you also need to have your own transport. And a construction worker is wanted to work in Cork City. It's to help tradesmen with the upkeep of buildings. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. After 12 we will be talking about we'll be chatting with one mother who's contacted us she's having a problem in her area getting her child on to the school bus is yet again the concessionary tickets that we spoke about last week on the school bus still creating a lot of problems for a lot of parents and Kevin has just been on to us and he's wondering have many Are many other families having problems with their children getting the school bus from the Aherla Kledov area? Particularly students going to Coachford College. Now Kevin said they had already paid for the concessionary ticket for their son believing everything was okay but they've just now been told that there's no seat on the bus for his son and he's trying to find out are there many more people in a similar situation in that general area Aherla Kledov that maybe a group of parents could get together and they could organise to hire a bus themselves. So we have... Kevin's details if anybody from that area is having difficulties, that's Arla Kladov. Have you found out that your child doesn't have a seat on the bus this year? 1850-333103. Now, last Friday, the Data Protection Commission dealt a huge blow to what was seen by many as the controversial public services card by announcing it is in breach of several aspects of data protection law. To explain more, I'm joined by Elizabeth Farries of the Irish Council of civil liberties. Good morning to you Elizabeth. Good morning. And, and you're welcome. I suppose firstly for those who don't have one of these cards can you just outline what the public services card is and, and why it was all first introduced?
3: Okay well I think most of us have a public services card at this stage. 3.2 million of us have it and those of us who do have it know that they've been required to get it if they've needed to access a certain service. So, for example, if you need to go in and get your passport renewed, or for my case, when I needed to get a student grant approved, you needed to go into the office, submit your facial image um, for biometric processing together with a bunch of other personal details, and then you were given a card in exchange.
4: So it was initially issued by, or it is issued by the Department of Social Protection, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it was. So the initial plan was to use it by the department, For social welfare services, but uh, as the data protection commissioner has explained very well, it has been since sort of subject to scope creep. It's just sort of moving outward to an ever-expanding range of services for which the processing of data attached to the card has been found to be completely illegal.
4: So the, using it for, and Social Protection using it for themselves and within their department is fine, but it's the sharing of the information with all of the other state agencies. That now is what the Data Protection Commissioner is saying must stop.
3: Yes, that latter point, certainly all data processing outside of the department for public services in Ireland, that's illegal. However, just to be clear, within the department, uh, the, I mean, this process isn't entirely over report is very welcome but it's very much a first step and we need to have further feedback from the Data Protection Commissioner especially with respect to that biometric processing. So the Data Protection Commissioner says now that processing of certain information within the department is okay but they haven't specified which information that is and I suspect they'll find problems with the use of the biometric data by the department.
4: Are we going to see the report published?
3: We, we certainly hope so. I mean, it's it's been sort of a, a point of controversy as to who's going to publish that report and when uh, the Minister for Social Protection, Regina Doherty, that at one point in the Oireachtas, you said, oh, yes, yes, when the, uh, when the investigation is finished, either the DPC or the department will publish the report. When people pressed her on that statement going forward, she sort of stepped back and wouldn't confirm one way or the other. So now at this stage, we're very happy to see that the Data Protection Commissioner has given the department seven days to release that report. And, I mean, it would be outrageous if the department didn't release it at this stage.
6: And
4: at the Irish Council for Civil, Civil Liberties, were you always against this card? Absolutely, yeah. It's Why? A problem. It's a fundamental infringement of our
3: privacy. It processes data in a way that's completely illegal, especially from an EU perspective. It's just not. It doesn't make sense. It's a very, very expensive initiative for um, things like fraud detection, for which there have been proven to be um, very few savings. It's been treated as sort of an, an ease of administrative services, we would take issue with that as well. It hasn't been very easy for the people who have been um, subject to the regime. And again, privacy is a fundamental right, which this process has really stepped all over. So we are opposed to it. It's a flawed, it's been a flawed project from the get-go and it needs to be done away with.
4: And did we ever, or do we know how many different state bodies have access to the information on these cards or has that ever been released?
3: Well, that's interesting. We um, conducted a survey of the 164 bodies to which The department, has said, has been allowed um, uh, to use the card, and unfortunately we didn't get very clear answers back. We're not entirely sure who's using the card and for what purposes. We do know, however, that some of the organizations that we talked to weren't supportive of the card, and we're also confused as to whether or not they'd be using it. It's been a very sprawling process, sort of, you know, a beast with many heads, moving out into various different areas without appropriate information, and without appropriate legal cover.
4: And information now will have to be del- deleted, isn't that, isn't that what the Commissioner is saying?
3: That's what we're hearing, that the Data Protection Commissioner has said, and we absolutely we welcome that finding, yeah.
4: It, it's Helen Dixon, the Data Protection Commissioner, it's showing, she's a very brave woman, isn't it? I mean, she's really got teeth, the fact that she's done this.
3: Well, I mean, it's important that she did that, that's her role as the sort of supreme data protection authority. Um, We've been waiting for this outcome for quite some time. There's been a formal investigation, a lengthy and detailed investigation by the data protection commissioner for two years, but we know that they were looking at it informally um, prior to then. Now, the real problem with that is because the investigation was so lengthy, the card rolled out meanwhile, nonetheless. It would have been very helpful to have halted that process back Mm -hmm. in 2017 and, and say, let's stop this right now until we have definitive answers. But nonetheless, the card kept being issued very aggressively by the department up until you know the weeks prior to the, re- release li- the release of this report. But yes, we are glad that Helen Dixon has spoken up on this matter.
4: Okay, well done. So, so the main point to get across to people, particularly those who are about who will be renewing their passport or their driving license, uh, in exactly. The, and did, and yeah, and did I hear if somebody was appealing a decision? With the school bus, which is an issue we're going to be talking about after 12, people who didn't get on the, the concessionary tickets on the bus or people who have students who are trying to get grants, they needed you, to have it for that as well.
3: Yeah, it didn't make any exactly sense. right. So, people that wanted to get a passport, they were told, no, you can't do it until you have a public services card. The driver's license issue was hugely controversy, controversial. And just as you said, appealing a school grant decision, people weren't allowed to make appeals unless they first submitted to the public services card process. They no longer have to do that. The Data Protection Commissioner has been very clear. They are not legally required to do that. And if departments continue to ask that, that is illegal. So it's good news in that sense.
4: And Elizabeth, was there always the fear that this card would eventually become a national identity card?
3: Yeah, I mean, they were talking, um, experts have talked about it being sort of, uh, that's part of the scope creep concern is that it would take on these characteristics of a national identity card in a way that certainly wasn't the original purpose of the card. And again, it's that spread of the card into all these different departments and all these different areas. And that that that's a problem, and we're glad we're seeing that stopped now.
4: Robbie and Bantry has a question for you. Why is the public services card not recognised by the Shikona as a form of identity?
3: Because that would have been illegal, and they were very smart not to have requested that.
4: Yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of places won't accept it as a form of, of of ID. That's Well, here's the thing, like
3: it's been very controversial for years. So individual bodies have said, you know, like the RSA, they said, you know, maybe we're going to need to ask this for a driver's license. Oh, wait a second, we don't have legal cover, so let's not go there. And that's why the Garda Shikana very rightfully didn't use that as a form of ID.
4: All right. And I did hear Leah Varadkar, Tisha, come out of the weekend telling people don't scrap the card. You, the, the public services card itself has not been scrapped and people will still need to use it to access anything from the Department of Social Welfare and for the free transport, isn't it? It covers that as well.
3: The free transport is covered, uh, a service coming from the department. It hasn't been scrapped for that at this stage, but the story isn't written yet. So everyone should stay tuned.
4: Okay, and the story that broke at the weekend that there is it, the state could face multi-million euro payouts if it's found to illegally retain the personal information of the three point uh, two million. Can you see a class act class action being taken?
3: Experts have been very clear that this card in its entirety, entirety is illegal under the GDPR, and there are provisions within the Data Protection Act to pursue compensation. So the state is at risk at this stage. Yes,
4: but are we suing ourselves? Well, I mean, that's
3: always the question. I mean, do we sue ourselves or do we set clear boundaries in terms of our privacy and a line that the state can't cross in terms of that privacy?
4: Okay, All right. We leave it there, Elizabeth. Listen, thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks very much. Good morning Cheers. to bye you. Bye bye. That's Elizabeth Farries of the Irish Council for Civil, Civil Liberties. Patrick says um, I got a phone call from the Department of Social Protection some years ago about the public services card and I refused it. The lady talking to me said it'll be of great help to you. I told her I have too many cards and I already have one of the old bus passes. Shortly after I got the card in the post even though I said no So the card came with my photo. So I said to my wife, where do they get my photo from? So I ran the department and asked them how they got my photo. And they said, from my passport. So they must have access to my passport photograph system or database. I did compare my passport photograph to the public services card and they're exactly the same. I'm wondering how many more did this happen to? Also the public services card works on the bus yeah, for your free travel but if you use it anywhere else like a form of id in the post office or credit union they won't accept it but yet they won't accept it because of this very issue about data protection and they they know it would be illegal to use it for that but i am really taken aback that they f- that they went to your passport and took your photograph because we were always told that in order to get a public services card you had to turn up in Person, because that became an issue for a number of people who didn't want to go in, part, in person and you know saw it as just a waste of time and all of that. Anyway, let's put that out there. Has that happened to anybody else? To somebody, and to hear that you refused your public services card and then that you received it in the post and the, the photograph uh, without your permission, obviously, was used. Do you not sign? Do you not also sign? I'll have to check with the public services card. Do you not? It's not a signature on the public services card maybe there's not I know your photograph is on it, but the photograph when I had mine done was taken in the office in the Department of Social Protection's office and that's the photograph that they used did that happen to anyone else somebody who refused the card then they receive it and they actually have taken the photograph from File, obviously, from Patrick's passport. And you can text her WhatsApp questions for Annalise Drussell, a nutritional therapist. Uh, She'll join us uh, in about an hour's time on the programme. So get your questions in for Annalise. You can call John Paul at 1850 333 103. Now, with the school holidays almost over and the long winter evenings ahead, many use this time of year to think about taking up a new Hobby. So, with that in mind, the Bridge Association of Ireland are running a nationwide campaign looking for new members. So, to talk about the card game bridge and the benefits of joining a local bridge club, I'm joined by Linda O'Reardon from McCroom. Good morning, to you, Linda. Good morning. Uh, you're Good well. You're, you're welcome to the program. Now, Linda, it always strikes me that bridge is a very complicated game to learn.
7: Um. Well, it can be. It can, you know, as you progress with it, and it can, you know, it can take a while to learn it. You know, you would want to take a good few lessons, maybe 10 lessons to start to get the basic of it. But you will then, with time, grow with confidence, and um, you can always improve your um, playing with um, other lessons and things like that. But it isn't. You know, as they say, if you can count to 13,
4: <laughs> um, you should be
7: able to play bridge.
4: OK, and, and obviously at all of the various different bridge clubs, you run the lessons. Do you do you? you yes, teach people every, how to play?
7: Yes, there are teachers within the locality. We say i represented the secretary for South Munster Bridge. And there are teachers within that region that offer lessons. So their details are up on the um Contract Bridge CBAI website and also the South Munster Bridge Scene website for details. And classes will be starting all over the county from September.
4: Do you need to have a partner or can you join alone?
7: You can join alone.
4: Can you? Okay.
7: You can go and you will play probably with different people and then eventually hopefully you will you know get a partner because um you, if you're very keen to play, it's good to learn to play with somebody who is in the same way as yourself. You know, if you're just there for the social occasion, you know, you don't want to be playing with somebody who's quite keen to learn all about, you know, progress further. Mm. You know, and so how, many bridge, compatible.
4: how many bridge clubs are there in Cork?
7: In Cork, there's 56 bridge clubs. In is the South Munster Bridge, there is 56 affiliated bridge clubs. And is,
4: is, it, is it very much a social night out?
7: It is. It really is a social night out. It's a very inexpensive night out. Five to six euros, you pay pay for your table money. You have three hours of bridge, you know, while you're playing the game. You don't chat, but after okay. the game is finished, you know, between each board, after the two boards are played, and you, you can chat with the partners and everything like that. And then um, they have weekends away. There's congresses, there's extra social bridge, you know, and definitely for people who are on their own, are living in rural areas, it's, you know, it's a way to get out. They are really promoting it on, you know, rural isolation and for, you know, it's a way to get out activity, brain stimulation, you know, hoping to prevent um, dementia, you know, mental well-being.
4: And, you know, we're we're constantly on this programme hearing and talking about people who are suffering from rural isolation. And, you know, many times people will talk about oh, the, all the pubs have closed and the drink driving laws and you can't go out anymore. So here's something that you can do. There's no alcohol involved. So you can drive yourself along to the bridge club, play your game mm-hmm. of cards, you know, while away three hours and, and then drive yourself safely home again. Yes,
7: definitely. And now there are actually more bridge clubs opening during the daytime. You know, they're offering a game of bridge in the daytime. So even for people who aren't anxious to go out by night, who are living, go out you during know, the don't day. want to, they still have their social outlet. And it's three hours, and a lot of them go for lunch afterwards. So you know, it puts the day down. It, yeah, It puts a good half day down for them. And is it is it once evening. a week? Once a week, okay. now in McCroom. Depending on the clubs, the clubs are playing five and six nights a week. You could be out five and six nights. Could you? You could really and truly. I play three nights a week. Do you? I do. I just. I really can't recommend it enough.
4: And how long? How long have you been playing? And what attracted you to the game?
7: I've been playing thirty-seven years. But what attracted me to the game was um, I came to Ireland. I'm Canadian originally. And I didn't have, I was a stay-at-home mom, and I didn't have my night out on my own. And this was my night out. My family, I was fortunate in the sense my family played cards, so cards came naturally. But for children even, you know, for children to even playing cards within the family atmosphere, you know, it's a great interaction with the family, you know, and it just, it learns, it teaches them how to count, how to count quickly up to 13 You know, just those basic skills that
4: you
7: know we use our calculator for. Yeah, and
4: actually, good. we we were talking here in the office earlier this morning, and actually Simon on the breakfast show, we were just talk. I was talking with him about the fact that we will be discussing bridge today on the program, and I was saying Christmas is. I think all of us have memories of playing cards. At Christmas. And I don't yes. know if a, the younger generation today, and I hope they do. I hope that, you know, families are still teaching their children those basic card games. It's, it's, yeah. it's great fun.
7: It is great fun. Uh, you know, um, I would agree. I, I, in the school, I just worked in the office and I did a class. Now, I didn't do bridge with them, but just cards. Yeah. And some of them did it, but a lot of them don't have it.
4: Ah, sort of, that's a sort of, that's know, a real pity. That's a that's it a real a pity. pity. And you what know, are the what are the origins of bridge in in the it's it, it it's not an Irish game. Wait, well.
7: Actually, you know, I'm not sure of that. No, yeah. no, it's not an Irish game. It's a worldwide game. You know, it's. Um, do they play it in Canada? Oh, they do. Oh, they it's do. worldwide. Yeah. there's competitions. There's world championship You know, and there's European championships, and um, so it is a game. You know, there's different quotations that um, like people who recommended is Warren Buffett said that he really recommends it as a great card game. Um, he says, bridge is such a sensational game that I wouldn't mind being in jail if I had three cellmates who were decent players and who were willing <laughs> to keep the game going 24 hours a day. Omar Sharif was a great bridge player. What? Martina Navratilova. Yeah, bridge. You know, so, and then it's it just is, you know, a great game. Yeah you know,
4: is is it very business. is it very competitive?
7: It can be competitive. Okay. Now, you know, you can go into competitions and you know continue that way. But it, you know, if you just wanted your social night of bridge and the weekends away, there mm. are weekends nearly, you know, they they go away for Friday night. There's competitions in these weekends. You go to a hotel. You get a hotel usually offers a very good deal. And you have your two nights dinner, bed and breakfast and your games, of bridge. And for women, we go shopping <laughs> to the local shop. So the community is really appreciated as well.
4: Yeah, I know I have a friend of mine. And when her dad died, she said, you know, I was asking, I said, how's your mother getting on? It was within, say, the first year of, of her yeah. husband passing away. And she turned around and she said, thank God that my mum plays bridge. And she said her bridge friends have been fantastic. And she said, I have nothing to worry about because, you know, she was leaving her mother home alone. Uh, she was living in different parts of the country. She said, I have nothing to worry about once mum has her bridge friends. And so that, that there does seem to be that great connection that people really bond within the bridge club.
7: Yes, there is. Definitely. You will find that um, the president, the ex-president of the South Munster region, that's what she said in her speech, that she took up bridge 19 years ago, and um, she has made so many friends out of it. And I would be the same, you know, as I came to Ireland. Now I had family connections, but when I didn't go to school here, I didn't have, you know, friends. Yeah. But that were outside of my family or my husband's friends. And they, I do have a huge cohort of friends
4: That's fantastic. I
7: can call friends. And, you know, it's just a different outlook for um, to meet other people. And if you like cards, you know, it's an interesting card as well with them. You know? And is it for all age groups? All age groups. Encourage anyone. You know, they're really encouraging younger children to try and play bridge. You know, but that's difficult because they've got such, you know, busy lifestyles with exams and they might take it up in transition year, but then going forward the exams. But anyone can take it up. Mm. And actually, we now find that when people are retiring, it is now that they are taking it up. It was different. Like when I took it up, I was a stay-at-home mom. You know, most of the people now are working and, you know, it's the last thing they need to do. They're working. They're trying to mind children. They have mortgages, you know, trying to take it on. As an outside hobby, you know, it's not as easy for that generation of the 30-year-olds to take it up.
4: Well, if you find yourself with time on your hands, it certainly is. A, it is. It, it does sound like a, a terrific hobby. So, Linda, where can people find out about local classes, firstly, uh, in their area?
7: They can go on to the um, the the CBA website, ie and then there is a South Munster Bridge scene. Um, that's their website for the South Munster region for the clubs in our region, and the teachers are on there. Um, and there's just any contact like that. So, you know, they can ring the CBA website. They can ring the CBA office, even if they find it difficult to go. That you know, to, you know, to do the website, and. Um, We can, you know, they will pass on. They will give you information of teachers in the region.
4: Okay, and classes will start in September. And as you say, you reckon within within ten lessons, you reckon somebody be up and playing? Depends, you know. It's like everything.
7: Some people will quickly pick it up. Others might need more time. But you will be brought into the club atmosphere then, and slowly integrated.
4: Okay, yeah, but no. you, yeah, you can you can take your time. There's 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 no rush on it, and no. I d- and I do like the fact that it's one of these the few hobbies, one of the few social events that you can go to on your own. You don't need to turn up with a partner when you initially no. take it up, yeah. and that's important to get that across. Listen, it is important. Listen, keep playing the bridge, and and uh, thanks Amelia for sharing it with us today on the program. <laughs> No
7: problem,
4: thank you for Good. taking the call. Good morning, you. dear. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That is uh, Linda O'Reardon, who I'm assuming is part of the McCroom Bridge Club. Uh, if you are thinking of taking up a hobby, why not give Bridge a go? Hi, Patricia, regarding the public services card, I recently had to get one. Why? Because I needed a passport. I sent all of the relevant information that had to include a bills, bank details, birth certificate. I got the card in the post but my personal detail that I had sent was not returned to me. My worry now who has access to all of those details, says uh, Alan. Well, as part of the two-year investigation by the Data, Commissioner Helen Dixon's uh, office finding it was unlawful to fo- force individuals like your good self, Alan, to obtain a card in order to get a passport. The government have now been told that they must delete the data on the 3.2 million citizens who have been issued with the card. So we would take it from that, Alan, all of the information that has been kept on file. Uh, on you and on everybody else will now have to be deleted. I think they've been given a set period of time in which to do it. OK, we're going to take a break. We have news at 12 midday on the way. In the next hour, we will catch up on a lot of calls and comments coming into the programme. We're also going to be hearing about a family having a problem accessing the school bus and Annalise Drussell, a nutritional therapist, joins us answering all of your uh, questions. Get them in. You can-
0: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently
4: closed. Listeners, what was the name of the woman who played the bridge in McCroom? And where do they play? That was uh, Linda O'Reardon, who was the lady who I was speaking to. But, bridge, let me check. There's a really good website that you can go on. It's the CBAI, it's Contract Bridge Association of Ireland. If you want to check out and you can click on all the different areas and it'll tell you where where they play Bridge. McCroom for example they play in the GAA Pavilion on the Castle Grounds on Tuesdays at half past seven. They have mixed grades. They very much welcome guests. they And they they are accommodating of new members and they serve teas and coffees and they're open September until May. And there's this big push. It's kind of like it's Bridge Week this week. And there's a big push to try to get new members in for the start of September so that lessons will start and you'll all learn. All, all the beginners will begin together and you learn at your own pace. And then eventually you'll be able to join if you're in Macroom, You'll be able to go along to their weekly Bridge Meetings in the GAA Pavilion, the Castle Grounds, for example, in Dunmanway, it's the Parkway Hotel, in Clonakilty, the, the Bridge Club meeting, the Fern Hill House Hotel, in Bantry, it's in the Maritime Hotel and on and on and on and on that list goes. So if you want to check that out, you can on their website, the CBA. Contract Association of Ireland is the CBAI.ie 1850-333-103 Okay, let me go through some of your texts. People still want to talk about the All-Ireland and the Tipperary's win over Kilkenny yesterday and the scale of the defeat with some people pointing to the big talking point Richie Hogan being sent off. That's what a couple of people are texting in about Pat, who signs himself Pat, a proud Corkman. Hi, Patricia. Richie Hogan has always been a servant of the GAA and I don't hear anything about the blood streaming down his face. Yesterday was a good game played by two good te- teams and it pains me to say congratulations to Tipperary who are no strangers to a bit of rough, rough and a tumble themselves. Good luck to Tip. Who knows? Who knows? We might meet them next year, says it's Pat the proud Cork man. And there's a little bit of bad language in the middle, Pat, that unfortunately I can't read out on air. But thank you for your comment. Jerry from Bantier says Patricia. From a neutral observer, Richie Hogan got a slap across the face and he had to go off due to a blood injury. No red card. Two Kilkenny players pulled down by a high tackle. No card. Kilkenny gold keeper dragged down by the neck. No red card. So obviously these rules only applied to Kilkenny yesterday, says Jerry from Bantir, who certainly wasn't happy with the way the match ended up yesterday from a Kilkenny point of view. And there was a string of calls into the programme today. Let me see some of the ones that came in. Mary says it was the worst beaten Kilkenny got since the 1960s. So well done to Tipperary. John says Tipperary would have won the match, but by the sending off of Richie Hogan, they would not have won it by the margin in which they did. Tip only won because of that sending off. Something would have been done before he was sent off as there was too much at stake especially with people paying €90 or more for a ticket where was Hawkeye Ronnie Amalo says I'm I'm assuming that's Ronnie Amalo who's originally from Clonmel says congratulations to the Tip team well done to Seamus Kennedy from Clonmel Uh, great day for Tip and Tom Inrath Cormac says Kilkenny got caught yesterday with their fouling they've gotten away with it for years but not yesterday so well done Tim and John in Ballonhasic said the situation on Richie Hogan he had to go The game is played so fast, but I think there will be a very serious accident as players play so fast these days. They just seem to bang into each other, especially when it comes to a game of hurling. They throw in the ball normally, or before there would have been two people going for the ball with two behind. Now there seems to be a load all scrambling at the same time to go in for the ball. And bearing in mind that they have a large hurley in their hands with them at the same time. OK, that's just some of the thoughts and comments coming in about the match uh, yesterday. Thank you for that. 1850 333103. On the public services card, actually a number of people backing up, Patrick. I was unaware. I thought the only way you could get a public services card was you made the appointment. You brought in all the bits and pieces and all the identity for you to identify yourself that they needed. I thought you had to turn up in person but Patrick says no, he got one in the post and they took his the photograph and all the information that was contained on his passport which is the same information that you need for the public services card except proof of address. You don't have to send proof of address with a passport. But anyway, uh, but what, what I'm most annoyed about were. Pa- in Patrick's case was he refused the public services card. I don't want one. He said, no, thank you. When they rang up, to, obviously they rang up to ask him to go to to attend one of the appointments. And he said, no, I don't need one. Thanks very much. You know, TTFN and all that. And uh, then to receive one in, in the post, which they were taking the information from his his passport. He was jolly annoyed about it. But we've got other people contacting us to say that, yes, that's what happened. They All the information was taken from their from their passport. Let me just see if I can um, see. There's so many questions coming in for Annalise. Keep those coming. Madge says, I didn't apply for my public services card either, but I was sent one. And Madge says, exactly what Patrick says, they used the photograph that was on my passport, which, as I say, I didn't think they were allowed to do but obviously they were. And Margaret in Tallow says, yes, Patricia, there is a signature on your public services card, but I'm just thinking there's also a signature on your passport, isn't it? Isn't there? So they've got a copy of your signature. So I'm assuming they lift that signature and put that onto the card uh, as well. And then Margaret on a different topic says, I was tuned in to Friday's, Friday night's repeat show and uh, I heard one of your listeners talk about goats. Well, just to let that listener's, listener know, uh, when I kept goats, okay, this was somebody contacted us to say they had heard that a local graveyard was looking for goats, and they were going to leave the goats loose in the graveyard to keep down the grass rather than send somebody in regularly to cut the grass. They were going to use goats instead. And I was wondering, was that, you know, an urban myth? And it was a number of people saying they they'll never allow goats into a graveyard. How disrespectful would that be? You know, people pointing out we were we'd already been talking about dogs doing their business inside the graveyards and their owners not cleaning up after them. I mean, if you leave goats in, goats will do. OK, yes, they'll keep the grass down. It'll also come out the other end. I mean, is somebody going to go in and, and clean up what the goats leave behind? It just didn't make any sense to me. But Margaret says that many years ago, when she kept goats, she was asked on a number of occasions for a loan of the goats. For the was a local church of Ireland graveyard. Said, "Can we borrow your goats there, Margaret? We want to keep the grass down." So it has happened in other areas. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to become a regular occurrence here. Only time will tell, I suppose. Thank you for those questions coming in for Annalise. What else has come in by uh, text? Oh, a couple of people are reacting to the text that I read out. One of our first texts this morning was from, let me remind you, was from a listener who said, please can you put out an important request on the radio and see what you get back from it? And it related to McCroom Amenity Centre. This listener said, "The sign, the signage first isn't great for anybody going there but once you go into the immunity site. Fantastic place, can I say. All of those civic immunity sites are so well run. But it's the exiting of the immunity site in McCroom, according to this listener, is a death trap. She says you're on an incline and you can't see both sides properly. It's also a very busy main road. So strangers to the area may be unaware that there's even an exit there and there is the possibility that cars will be trying to get out. So the listener said would, would McCroom Civic Immunity, which obviously is run by Cork County Council ever get their act together before somebody is killed? And I was wondering, are others finding it dangerous as well? A couple of texts in on this. Yes, the wall comes out on both sides of the exit. the The centre is too low below the ground, so it should be on the other side of the road says John okay so that explains why there's an incline because the listener talks about the you know you're climbing so you obviously you drive in and it's you know it's it's in it's lower than the road, the actual civic community site. So you're driving out, you're on an incline. So you're also negotiating the handbrake as well and trying to see what's coming on either sides, but there seems to be an issue with the wall on both sides of the exit making it difficult. Hi Patricia, regarding the recycling centre outside of McCroom, I've been there and I agree with the criticism that you're hearing this morning. A very simple solution will be a roundabout. Yes, unfortunately, it will probably require at least two or amorphous for sal- for fatalities before it's rectified. A similar example, Blarney slash Mallow, the road junction there. I was going to suggest would a roundabout work as well, but I didn't know the road, wondering would it. But certainly a roundabout because it will slow the traffic coming on either side as well. But when will it slow up the flow of the traffic would probably be the argument if we put in the suggestion of a uh, roundabout. But are other people agreeing with our initial caller that something needs to be done about it? 1850 333 103. Lines open. Text WhatsApp 0862 103, 103. The C103 Cork Diary.
0: With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
4: There is a guided tour of Timoleague Abbey by local historians that's happening this evening. You meet at the Abbey at half past uh, seven. Next Sunday, the annual Mass will be held at Curtnicklea. No, I'm sure that was last Sunday. My apologies, that's been put into the uh, Community Diary wrongly. That was last uh, Sunday. Uh, the next Kildallery Lotto Draw... For a jackpot of 2,500, who will be held in Sheen's bar? That's happening this Thursday. The organisers are thanking people for your support. And Irg Dohollo are screening The Greatest Showman in an outdoor cinema setting in the James O'Keefe Institute in Newmarket. That's next Saturday. The film will start at about 9.15 when it should be dark enough. Tickets are €5 for adults. Children under 16 are free. But please note, this is a strictly alcohol-free event. C-103
2: and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the very first Cork Volunteer Awards taking place Friday, October 11th.
0: These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award.
2: The Cork Volunteer Awards 2019 at the Kingsley Hotel with Cork Volunteer Centre, Cork Independent and Cork's Greatest Hits C103.
4: We are unfortunately starting to hear from more and more parents who are having difficulty getting their sons and daughters onto the school bus. These are the uh, concessionary tickets on the school transport uh, system.
2: Let me start with... Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment.
4: Maura is in Ariglam. Uh Good afternoon, to you, Maura Hello, Patricia. Now, Mora, I'm, I'm very well. It's your daughter, is it? Is you're trying to get on the school bus? That's right.
1: But there's actually two, three young, young girls in our area, and um, it's a bit of a, um, a convoluted story because we have we had an issue about ten days ago, and there were six children taken off the bus. Originally, Patricia, we had a local man who had a contract for our our school bus, which was a 53 seater bus. Okay. And we had been given a promise by the then inspector. That there would never be an issue with regards, because I had an issue with it when my daughter went into first year, and we had been promised by this particular inspector that the 53-seater bus would remain, and that that children, both concessionary and eligible, would always have a bus, have a bus, to take all the children from Maradon into Formoy.
4: Okay, and how long has she been on the bus? What class is she um, now?
1: Five years. She's gone. She's going into sixth year now.
4: All right, and for yes. the last five years, no problem.
1: No problem at all. Um, And in my own particular case, firstly, I have epilepsy, so it's super important that I actually have the bus because I don't know when I'm going to be back driving again. Secondly, they're saying the issue relating to my own daughter is that she rolled off the system because she did TY. But I know for a fact that there's other children on the bus who did TY the same year as my daughter, and they didn't have to... um, uh, they 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 didn't have to re-input her input their uh, details back into the system. But when she was in
4: TY did she get on the school bus?
1: Well she did a course and I I had I, it was down that she was a TY student. So unless she had actually dropped out of school they would have assumed that she was going to be doing both 5th year and 6th year. And but she, she did TY and yeah. then
4: she went into 5th year. So she was she was on the bus for another year after TY.
1: Of course, yeah. So why are yeah. they suddenly saying TY is an issue? Um I, I, I actually brought that point up. I rang the Cork office and they transferred me to Galway. And I said this, and he told, the gentleman that I spoke with told me that I should have reapplied when she finished TY. I said, well, why would I reapply if I was not told that I had to? So I said, obviously, if I had been told, I would have done what was necessary to keep my child on the bus. But um, And I asked him specifically, I said, will there be an issue with regards to my daughter? If I re-input her details, is it going to look like a late application? And will will that cause any issues? And he said, absolutely not. And I said, can you guarantee my daughter will have a seat? And he said, absolutely no problem. Just do what I say, which I did. And the, like I said, there was a previous issue. And I never put my daughter in with the, those group of children that didn't get a seat. Because when well, you thought
4: your daughter had a seat.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And um, there's a girl up the road and she inadvertently put in the wrong amount of money to pay her ticket. And they put, they took her child off the bus, and she said she would pay the difference. That it was an error, and her child was taken off the bus. And another girl up the road, exactly the same as my daughter, assumed she had a ticket, and we all just got emails on Friday evening. The uh, same to say no no tickets for any of us. So is the is the 53-seater bus full? No, the, 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 the thing is, they they, remo- they took away the 53-seater. We were downgraded at one stage to a 36, but that was fine because every child had a seat. So okay. it makes common sense not to put on a 53-seater if they'd only need 36. We then went up to 41, and then there was an issue 10 days ago, which was sorted out, um, and the inspector said every child in Narragland had a seat on the bus with a 45-seater. But... At that stage, the uh, the three of us did not realise that our daughters were not on the bus. So I got on to the inspector straight away and I explained my case and I said the situation is not resolved because I said I've just been told I'm off the bus. And he told me it was because my I, my daughter was concessionary and that there was absolutely no obligation on bus airing to provide uh, uh, extra seats on a bus for concessionary children. All they had to do was sort out the... Um, the eligible children and basically after that and then what's left
4: and then when they do that what's the the what's left the concessionary tickets Um, are are they given out on a lottery basis or is it a first come first served
1: well you see previous to this it was always first come first serve, and there's another issue there then again and in fairness the woman involved offered me her ticket which I wouldn't take there's a woman who was putting her child on the bus for the first time and she paid on the day the last day for payment for their tickets And her son was issued a seat. I paid four days, which was late for me because I had been sick. I'm usually better organised than that. I paid four days before the deadline, not knowing that there was any issue. Uh, And I was was told that my daughter was off the bus. And she had been on the bus for five years previous. And how much is it, by the way? It's €350. Yeah,
4: it isn't. uh, That's important to point out. Mm. It isn't
1: cheap. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, it's it's worth it to us, especially yeah. for me when I can't drive. I'm totally dependent oh, listen, on the bus. Oh, listen,
4: listen, you know? absolutely. Stay yeah. there because Siobhan uh, has contacted us as sure. well on behalf of a group of parents in, this is in Ballyduff, um, yes. Upper. Uh, good afternoon, Siobhan. Hi, thanks for contacting me. Uh, today. Now, I spoke to earlier. Now, I'm assuming, Siobhan, in Ballyduff, which is located between Lismore and Formoy. It you, is. You, is. Similar problems to what Maura's talking about?
8: Yeah, we've got 11 kids in this situation. Six of those children already had tickets last year and previous years. And actually, two of those children are entering their leaving cert cycle and three more are doing junior cert. So it's a big problem for us.
4: And what's what's happening? Is that the bus? I mean, Morris explained their bus has become a smaller bus, so there's not enough seats. What's happened well, in believe, your area?
8: I believe there's four buses involved in the Valley of Aragon, Kilworth um, route two from I. And sorry, I've got a sore throat. I'm you're okay. Yeah, you're I think s- I've been speaking to so many people. I'm hoarse. So what has happened is we have a fifty-three-seater bus that goes through our village on the route from I. It pulls in on Ballydoss and four children are given seats on that bus and it leaves with all the remaining empty seats to head on to Kilworth, which is the catchment area for Fromoy, and it fills the capacity in Kilworth along with another three buses and heads on to three secondary schools in our case in Formoy.
4: So it's you need you need an extra bus?
8: Yeah, I think we do. You see Basically, we see it as a problem. We understand the entire system of eligible and concessionary tickets. And there's a large demand for concessionary tickets. And in Balladus, we're located between Lismore and Fomoy. Now, we are quietly closer to Lismore. So our issue is they're telling us that Lismore is their first choice school. It's closest to now I mean the distance is minimal. It's only a matter of minutes between two.
4: Yeah, students. but 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 I have to say I don't like this. It's almost like uh, a bus company is telling you where to send you what school to send your child to. You send your child and, to the school most suitable to your child. Yes.
8: And that is exactly the point. I mean, if you look at the Minister of Education and his own briefs, I mean like he has come out and he has stated in his own brief that they're in goal four, build stronger bridges between education and wider communities. Provide a great school choice and enhance support for making informed career choices. I mean, these children have spoken to their parents, they've spoken to their teachers, they have picked according to maybe for different reasons. Mm. We're not taking anything from this more school, it's a great school. But we felt through speaking to teachers, speaking to our children, and sorry, I'm not
4: <laughs> and also at. Um, yeah, but you you should be allowed. You and, and your child you as a family you, you you, they you choose. Various, they all have
8: various. They all various reasons okay. for choosing. for my a lot of parents in our situation actually went to the school in my on this bus. They and a lot. We're a border county. We have got.
4: And like like Maura Siobhan, had you paid up? Had you paid for your concessionary I, ticket? Yeah, three
8: hundred and fifty. Yeah. I paid in June. I thought maybe you know if I get in there first, you have a higher chance. I
4: know, I know, we and then got you you
8: eight in priority one,
4: and you got so an email. W- you got an
8: email when? I got an email last week, last Tuesday, I believe. Actually, I didn't get an email. I logged in myself and I saw it first.
4: And then I got there's an email eleven, eleven local children.
8: Eleven local children. Six had been on it before. No, yes. I. They did explain to us that there's a priority one and a priority two. Priority one being if a child was on the bus previously okay. which I am informed I am number seven of and priority two is if you haven't been on the bus before but most of these children either have been on the bus before or had siblings on the bus as well
4: there's two new applications And Maura, do you know if what is your child being given a priority status? I didn't even, uh, didn't even uh, ask. G- get that does, but, does, but, does your health issues Moira the fact that you're you're epileptic, you're epileptic, you're not able to drive at the moment, is it? That's right, yes, yeah. Is that yeah. taken into account?
1: Um, when I spoke with the inspector, I, I, don't know, I don't think it even actually registered with her, but also, Patricia, back to our case here, the bus, the, the choice we made for sending our daughter to uh, from Oye, was the bus was literally 10 t- steps outside my front door. You could literally open up my front door, take 10 steps, and my daughter will be on the bus. And we had issues with mileage, same as Ballydusk, and a local gentleman went in the car with the inspector and they travelled the route that bus Aaron picked for t- taking the mileage from Vermoy to uh, Mitchellstown And he brought him up back roads and side roads that you wouldn't get a car on not to mind the bus. But when they were taking the mileage from Vermoy to Aragon, they used the main roads. And this gentleman said, well, I can take you up the same kind of roads that you're using to m- m- map the mileage and I guarantee you it will be closer and they were expecting us then to take our, our girls and, and, uh, and bring them two and a half miles over to the local graveyard to get the school
4: bus. Yeah, and all. I can see a text coming in from listeners. I have two children going on the school bus. When I went to pay this year, I was only billed for one. And the youngest who was going into transition year was on the system as being a fifth year student. I was able to change that on the computer. But then my other child, I ended up having to get a concessionary ticket for her. Mm. And then another listener says, I have the same problem with my sixth year daughter. She is an eligible student for the bus, but no seat as of yet on the school bus. And there's somebody who's, who's an eligible student.
1: And this is Ariglin, Patricia, is
4: it? Doesn't say. All right, it okay. doesn't say. Yeah. All In right, the current a... system, it's just not fit for purpose. Yeah, there's there's, there's... there's
8: a blank decision-making, tick-the-box criteria there's no common sense approach, there's no motorization given to the people on the ground that can actually fix this. The bus inspector himself can put in a proposal to his um manager to fix this solution. But uh, we uh, need people to contact
1: the manager to do this.
4: Okay. And, and on top we... of that, Patricia, so,
1: the extra money that the children will be paying, the young people will be will be be paying in their fees would more than adequately recompense bus Aaron for putting on a larger bus for both uh, in the Aragland area and also in the Ballydough area. And and nationally, there's 6,000 Concessionary children that have not been given
4: tickets. Yeah, well, I know earlier yeah. we had a parent yeah. on from the Aherla Cladov area uh, going to the Coachford, mm-hmm. and they're they're panicking now. They're trying to put put on their own bus. It's yeah. just it's crazy. Okay, yeah. we are getting on to the bus inspector, and it is. Uh, we thank you both for sharing your stories uh, with you, us, Patricia. and we'll get back to you if thank we hear you. anything. Thank you for that, uh, Siobhan uh, from the Ballyduff area, and more from the Araglin area. And it's stressful enough, and and I feel for the children going into exams because of the stress levels of going into junior cert the stress level going into leaving cert and for the parents uh, as well it's not fair OK I don't know if we'll hear anything back from Boss Aaron before one o'clock unlikely so it's something we will return to maybe tomorrow on the programme This is the Cork Today replay on C103 Annalise Dressel from the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic uh, joining me. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon. Uh, and you are very welcome. We have a lot of calls and texts and emails. Let's kick off with an email first from a listener. Could you please ask Annalise the following? I'm a man in my 60s. I have no problem getting to sleep. But if I go to the bathroom during the night, then I have a serious problem getting back to sleep afterwards. Any suggestions? Welcome. Also, I've noticed that as I try to get back to sleep that I dribble quite a lot. Again, any suggestions?
0: OK, I wonder where is this a dribble from the mouth, Patricia, or do you think it's um, it's <sighs> dribbling after the toilet? I'd say
4: it's after the toilet. It, it doesn't yeah. say, but I would I would imagine it's after the toilet, the fact that it's linked to just going to the toilet.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, that's two kind of separate issues there. So the first one that I think probably is, like, it's very common with prostate um, as you get a bit older, that you get incomplete evacuation of your bladder, so it doesn't fully empty out, so you have a little bit left over. Um, and the best thing really for the healthy, for a healthy bladder, uh, sorry, a healthy prostate, is something called saw palmetto. Um, it's spelled S-A-W, like a saw, and then palmetto, P-A-L-M-E-T-T-O, and that can work to um, decrease the kind of active testosterone that causes the inflammation and the swelling of the prostate and it's the swelling and the growing of the prostate putting pressure on the bladder that causes the problems so I think that would be a very good one to to start off one and for the health of the prostate anyway and it can prevent prostate enlargement which is what you're looking for really uh, when it comes to bladder issues so that's that and then the sleeping thing you know sometimes I think when people wake up it's like our modern life Patricia your brain kicks off straight away into um, fast mood and you're starting to think about what do I need to do in the morning and um, you know you start mulling over problems. Absolutely so yeah. The busy brain is really what you're looking to kind of calm and stop and there's a number of different things and this works well for whether you're getting into bed and can't sleep or whether you wake up in the middle of the night and the brain kicks off. So valerian is one of the best herbs for calming the busy brain and the Dr. Delish um Valerian Blend Tincture is excellent for that but also Dr. Vogel does one that you'll get in most health stores if you're if you're not near anywhere that stocks the dealish Claire stuff so Dr. Volan does a valerian relax blend um, and you'll buy it in any health shop and I think that's generally the best but other things that can work very well are things like L-theanine and lemon balm these are great for just again stopping that busy brain and bringing a level of calm it promotes the sort of the calming alpha waves in the brain Um, And this is great during the day as well if you're looking for focus and and concentration and calm. It's a brilliant one for anybody studying. But at night, it works well to stop that kind of recurrent thought. So I think they're probably the best suggestions. Um, there's lots of other ones as well like pasta flora but the ones that I found have worked the best are the valerian based
4: ones. Okay, hi anne I was wondering what is the best thing to keep the tummy right? I can't take probiotics or anything like that now they don't state why uh, but I'm thinking uh, anything that won't do any harm that will be good for the stomach. Any suggestions please?
0: Okay, so they, you see we're just learning now Patricia about all these bacteria that live within our gut and um, so it's really like I mean it's almost like um, the early days when they used to bleed people um, in order to make them well that's how I think unsophisticated we are at the moment regarding the gut so if it's actually a very interesting thing if somebody can't take probiotics that's very that, indicative that there's a serial, serious microbial imbalance in the gut um, and it does happen sometimes To customers, I'd recommend a probiotic for general gut health, and they come back in and they just cannot tolerate them. And for me, it tells a lot about the state of the health of the gut. So, in those cases, there may be a lot of yeasts overgrowing. It might be that you need to do a bit of a cleanse first before you start taking a probiotic. But what you could also do is you could take something called inulin. Now, inulin, inulin, you'll buy it as a fiber in the health shops, and the Good bacteria in your gut love inulin. It's their favorite food. So it means that they have got plenty food so that they can thrive. And if the good bacteria are thriving, they can push out the more negative bacteria, the ones that can grow in numbers but aren't beneficial to our health. So that might be a good option for this person if they can't take probiotics. But also I think, um, you know, yogurt is a very good option. or fermented foods, they often tend to be better tolerated by people. So you're looking for... um, there's a, there's a lovely Irish company called the Cultured Food Company and you'll find her products in um, any health store. She does lots of different fermented vegetables and you can add a little bit after your dinner every day and that's brilliant for digestion. Um, but then, otherwise, I think there's so many other good things. The um, the mulkasan, which is a kind of a whey, fermented whey drink, that's very good for the gut. You'll buy it, again, you'll buy that in any health shop. It's called mulca san, M-O-L-K-O-S-A-N. And these are all putting in the things that good bacteria thrive on as opposed to putting the bacteria in themselves.
4: Hi, Annelies. My skin on my face is dry and I have what I describe as fine lines. What would you recommend as a supplement and to apply to skin as in a moisturiser? I'm 48. Okay,
0: so um, I think probably, I I love vitamin C, I think for everybody for skin. It's because vitamin C is really important for building collagen. Now collagen is kind of like the scaffolding that our skin, our facial skin, sits on. So if you can promote collagen, you will have far less wrinkles. And then hyaluronic acid is something that will plump up that scaffolding and make it lovely and juicy. And again, that's great for kind of preventing the fine wrinkles. So you can actually take um, you can take hyaluronic acid. It's spelled H Y A L U R O N I C hyaluronic acid you can take it or you can buy it in skin products definitely take a vitamin C for your skin and you can also take collagen products for skin now I've seen huge differences in customers that take collagen products it doesn't work for everybody but when some people take it their skin it looks like they're glowing from inside it definitely plumps out the skin on the face and I have a lovely one here in the shop that I think is a great value one it's got the hyaluronic acid in it as well and it's by a company called Greens. And you just take a scoop a, a scoop of the powder every morning in a bit of water, and um, that's wonderful for your skin. And then in terms of face creams, I suppose I wouldn't pretend to be an expert, Patricia, only that for my own self as a woman, I've tried loads of different things. And I think definitely natural products are better for skin overall, especially if your skin tends to be dry or sensitive. And look for something that has maybe got rosehip oil in there, or again the hyaluronic acid and you can buy pure hyaluronic acid either in a health shop or you'll probably get it online in our beauty salon and that again will plump up the collagen and make your skin the fine lines and wrinkles and then something like rose tip oil is wonderful for hydrating.
4: Okay hi Annelise. the knuckles on my fingers on both hands are quite swollen sometimes they're quite painful I, I'm assuming it's arthritis what would you advise I'd take I'm not on medi- any medication I'm 63.
0: It does sound to me like arthritis, all right, Patricia. The most basic supplement, I think, for arthritis, and it's been around for years, is the glucosamine and chondroitin. They are the building blocks for our joints um, and for the cartilage that makes up our joints. So you could start taking something like that. It's cheap and cheerful, but you wouldn't see a difference, really, for a number of months. Now, when the joints are very swollen, I always think there's a lot of inflammation So it's good to take something as an anti-inflammatory as well as something to rebuild the joints. So the things that are wonderful as anti-inflammatories are things like turmeric extract. It's called curcumin or even turmeric itself. Boswellia is another wonderful um, extract, uh, anti-inflammatory extract from frankincense. And one of my favorite supplements is one by a company called Terra Nova. And it's a combination of the glucosamine for rebuilding the joints and the Boswellia and the uh, turmeric extract for as an anti-inflammatory, so that's a wonderful one. Salgar also is another brand that you'll find in most health shops, and they do one called Salgar Seven, and um, the seven different ingredients in there to rebuild the joints um, and also as anti-inflammatories. And then the last thing I'd mention for joints, and they can be wonderful are the collagen complexes again. So if you're lucky, you'll get one that's good for your skin and good for your joints. But you're genuinely looking for one that has got hydrolyzed collagen in there. And most health shops will have plenty collagen joint supplements to try.
4: Okay. Hi, my grandchildren. Four and two, says this texture, wake up every night and the youngest simply will not go back to sleep. The two-year-old daughter and her husband exhausted. Any natural products that you could give to children to help them sleep?
0: Well, you could try the L-theanine. I know that Higher Nature do one specifically for children. Um, It comes in a kind of a dissolvable powder, blackcurrant flavor. I think it's called Relax and Unwind. Um, I I just have the ordinary L-theanine in the shop here, and you can use that too. You just open the capsule and mix it in maybe with a a glass of warm milk or something before they go to bed. Um, There's other things as well you can give to children, like the Dr. Vogel range do a lot of... um, um, different essences for children, and there is as there is a relaxing essence for children that would be suitable as well. So ask in your local health shop. But um, you know, I don't know are they in the same bedroom, Patricia? I think separating kids when they so one doesn't wake the other is always a good thing as well, because if the one w- wakes up and wakes the other one and mm-hmm. they get chatting, then they get all hyperactive and excited, you know, and make each other laugh. So that's another tip, very just basic tip to separate the children for sleeping
4: And, and unfortunately some children are just bad sleepers they are I suppose yeah. and
0: there are sleep therapists and you can yeah. spend fortunes yeah. on, on sleep therapy And it's, but I think it's
4: probably worth it if you're not getting any sleep yourself yeah. you and, and there's nothing worse than not, not getting a good night's sleep that is for sure. Okay uh, we leave it there Annelise. Thank you for that. We'll chat Thanks again next Trisha. week. Thanks uh, for joining us. That's uh, Annelise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic. and just to let you know if you missed anything that we discussed with Annalise this afternoon you can listen back to the Annelise Nutritional Advice at c103.ie and you can click on listen back or on the C103 app uh, as well because I know we always get a lot of calls in the afternoon about various things that Annalise said and our apologies to people we had a huge huge number of questions in and we didn't get to all of them so our our apologies on that and a lot of texts as well we appreciate everybody texting and calling us and we get to as many of them as we can Uh, Grace says Patricia This is on the school bus. We also have a problem in Bartlemy. My daughter is going into sixth year and our problem is that they, the powers that be organising the school bus, uh, say they don't recognise that she did transition year and therefore think she's finished school and she was automatically kicked off the bus as they think she did her two years in senior cycle and is gone and the email explaining the above would have been very helpful and we would have applied for the seat when necessary she now has no way of getting to school very stressed about it and leaving her to stressful enough as it is it really is not acceptable and that's uh, yours Grace thank you for that uh, Grace to say we have nothing back yet from the, from the bus inspector uh, but hopefully we'll be able to talk about it tomorrow on the programme that's where I leave it for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick is with you for the afternoon and we'll talk to you tomorrow at 10.
2: Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home with up-to-date traffic information and local news, your
5: input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story and as many of Cork's
2: greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103.